We've got to have the things that we're going to talk about. And, and they're simple. And, and let me just say ahead of time, you know me, I'm not very apologetic at times when it comes to the truth of the word. But I will tell you, you are not here today with me getting to take a shot at you to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to make you understand that we need to change. I need you to understand by the power of the Spirit that God's talking to us the way he's talking to us because he's talking to me this way and he wants me to convey these messages to you because what, what have we said in this church? Has anything changed? Do we or do we not want to be disciples? We do, don't we? That's why we're here. It's what we've talked about. We haven't relented. We haven't let up and we haven't changed our mind, have we? If anything, we keep finding out more things that God's saying, now I want to deal with this. I never get tired of hearing that from the Lord. If he turns around and tells me something, I start to give it to him, and then he's faithful to give me another one. Look, you're here today. You shouldn't feel bad about what I'm about to say, but the people listening to me on the podcast and all, podcasts are wonderful God-given things, but they're not an excuse to stay home. We, we, listen, listen, this is not to make anybody feel bad. You know that there's people not here today for very, very good reasons. And then there's a whole bunch that aren't here for very, very bad reasons. I mean, I'm just, because it's gotten easy. It's gotten simple. I don't feel like going, so I'm not going. There are those of us that have been praying about this, and one of the things that God is saying is, that if you wake up in the morning, from the moment you wake up on Sunday morning, if your heart and mind is made up that I'm going to church, it breaks bondage in your life. It sets you free for the day. You don't have to worry about it. Make, wake up, make up your mind, I'm going to church. Now, here's what I will pledge to you as your pastor. With God's help, I will have the message for you for the day. And, and, and I believe that God will cause it to be power-packed if we trust him. Amen? It will be life-giving, it will be exciting, and we'll be able to move forward with God. Amen? Look, look, let me just blow some things out of the water and get it over with, all right? All right, look, in, a, in Alaska, the thing I've never understood is that pastors have been willing to stand up in church and say, well, it's summer, we'll see you next, next winter. I wasn't raised like that, and every time I've ever heard it, it's made me cringe. If you need a vacation, buy jinkies, take a vacation. But sunshine in Alaska in the summertime, because, you know, if it's a good weather, it's a good weather summer is an excuse for me to disappear for the summer. Do you know how much damage you do to yourself? You know, it, it, let's look at it in the natural world. In the natural world, there are certain skills that people have. I don't care whether it's shooting a firearm or whatever it is. There are perishable skills out there that if you don't use them, you lose them. And I'm telling you, if you take the summer off, the whole summer off, you're hurting yourself. And we need to start rethinking that. Does, oh, man, I got to church today and pastor was mean. No, I'm not mean. I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth that you need to hear, right? God loves me enough to give it to me, so I'm going to give it to you. It's God's gift. He loves us. It is the wisdom of God. It's the economy of God. 
I call it the economy of God, and on the economy of God boils down to this. He is all-wise, all-knowing. He knows plenty that I don't know. I'm just coming into the realization that it's all about God. There are things we do not understand about God. And listen to me carefully. You may not grasp this today. But God doesn't explain himself. He doesn't explain himself. If he had to explain himself every time he told us what to do, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't say, oh, I don't, I, I don't obey him now because he said to do that. I know now why. He, I don't have to know why. And I'm not going to know why all the time. Sometimes I will. Most of the time I won't. It's time for us to let God be God. Amen? In the beginning, God. That's the book, right? The opening of the book. That's not an explanation. That's a revelation. There's a difference. God does not explain himself. He reveals himself. And you should thank him for it. Amen? Let's let God be God. Amen? Now, set all that to lead us to the opening scripture here. Because we're going, to study, we're going to study the wisdom of God, and we've done it before, but we never studied it the way we're going to study it now. We're going to compare the wisdom of God to the wisdom of the world. And I'm telling you, there's, it's an important thing to do. The problem is we think we're pretty smart, and we're not. You know? We think we're pretty smart, but we're not. But he is. Amen? God is. Godly wisdom will always blow worldly wisdom away. I don't care how smart we think we are. All right? Proverbs, go to chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I cheated and I laid my little ribbon in the first one because I knew where we were going. And now I'm being rebuked over here in love, but I'm being rebuked, okay? But that's okay. I'm a, I'm a big boy. I can take it. Amen? Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse 16 with me. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Are you there yet? Oh, take your time. Take your time. Take your time. I just don't want to hear Siri. Find Proverbs chapter 3. <laughs> I guess you could do it, but let's don't. Let's exercise our ability to find Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Long life is in her right hand. Who's her in this verse of Scripture? Who? It's not just wisdom. It's godly wisdom. This is godly wisdom, all right? Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness or a better translation of that is pleasure, believe it or not. Pleasure and all her paths are peace. In the way of an introduction, let me share this with you. The church today, the bride of Christ in this country, is suffering a great need. Can you say amen? This need can only be met if we take the time to dive into the Word and allow it to diagnose our spiritual problems. After that, we have to apply the prescription of the Word to turn our lives around and begin moving in the right direction. After all, what I've already said, what do we know about medicine? If it remains in the bottle, it can't help us. If the truth we need remains in the book and not in our lives, we will remain vulnerable to the flesh of the old man the attacks of this world, and the whims of the powers of darkness. You will be fodder in the hands of those things, the flesh, the world, and the whims of the powers of darkness. 
The whims of the powers of darkness has no business swaying power over the child of God. And I'll prove it to you in the Word, all right? What we need is the wisdom of God to be manifest in our lives. However, barriers to wisdom are out there. The origin of these barriers is less important than the fact that they exist. They can be of our own creation. They can be produced by well-meaning friends. Anybody know anybody like that? Or family members. The world. The devil. But it doesn't really matter what the origin of the barriers are. Listen to this. The wisdom of God will break down these barriers. The word and wisdom of God changes everything. How many of you are sitting here today and you feel like, I need God to change everything for me? I need God to change everything for me. You know this old adage, give a man a fish and he can eat for a day, teach him to fish and he can eat for a lifetime. Everybody's heard that, right? It's way past time of teaching God's people how to patchwork the problems they face in life. Listen carefully. Many people face constant financial needs and constantly need prayer to get past one financial hurdle after another. The fact is that we're missing a very important truth, and that is that we are asking God for the wrong things. You would think, well, I got a financial need. What I need is money. Can my need really be met with money alone, or do I need godly wisdom to keep me from being such an easy target for this type of attack over and over and over like some kind of broken record? So what we're going to do with our time together today is we're going to complete a foundation check. Every now and then you need to, you need to complete a foundation check. Even after a building has started to get constructed, it doesn't mean that the foundation can't crack. Amen? Needs to be inspected. Needs to be looked at. And every now and then, if you find cracks in it, they need to be repaired. Do not build any further. Repair that foundation. Amen? So we're going to get real, real seriously basic here this morning. So we're going to look at three words that we, we've got to have a clear grasp on these three simple words before we go any further. Nathan, put the first one up for me, would you? Is that something that... Okay, not a problem. It's okay. Listen carefully. Take notes. The first word is knowledge. So what is knowledge? Knowledge is the acquiring of facts or the obtaining of truth. Knowledge is the acquiring of facts or the obtaining of truth. Now think about it for a minute. Who's responsible for gathering knowledge on your part? You are. Yeah, knowledge doesn't just magically appear in your heart and mind. No, you've got to go after it, right? So the first responsibility, we've got to feed on this word. We're the ones that has to, we've got to go after it in the book. You cannot take this book like it's optional and expect to be a child of God on top of the heap rather than buried under it. Amen? You cannot treat this book like it's optional. It's not optional. It's required. You're a child of God. This is your manual for living. It's your manual for living, right? All right, bear with me now. So knowledge is the acquiring of facts or the obtaining of truth. The second word is understanding. 
Understanding is the ability to interpret these facts or truths. Those facts or truths. Does that make sense to you? All right. Now, and then the third word is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply them in your own life. Simple. This is simple. This is where the foundation gets laid, right? We start with knowledge. We can read the Word of God and put it on the inside of us. Now you have put stuff in the toolbox that the wisdom of God can form into your life. Amen? God can touch you and help you understand. There are things in that toolbox that I carried around for years, but I did not understand what was in the toolbox. It, it wasn't until recently that God began to take stuff out of that box and point a finger at it and say, watch this with me. And I'm getting older, all right? I'm getting older. I've got to take just a quick pause here to say this. I've had some people uh, concerned about me lately say, uh, warn me about things. You say things about yourself. You degrade yourself. Listen to me carefully. I understand that I don't believe this. <laughs> At least you didn't hear it that time, did you? Well, let me tell you something. I was going to have to shut it off because it's in my hearing aids, and I'd be done <laughs> until it stopped. Yeah, it could be. You never know. All right, listen carefully. We're going to regroup here. I just want you to understand one thing and one thing only. When I tell you I don't have the highest IQ of the people you know, I'm trying to tell you this one good thing. Let me get it across. Your pastor is totally and completely dependent upon God. I am not dependent upon my education. Dear Lord, help us. I'm not, I'm not dependent on my ability to figure anything out. I'm totally and completely dependent upon him as your pastor. You need to know that. So bear with me if you ever hear me say something about myself that's less than complimentary. I, it's not false humility. I'm trying to convey a truth to you that all of us need to know. All of us need to be completely dependent upon him or this thing here is going nowhere. It will stop. It will die in the path, right? If we don't continue to be discipled by the Word of God, to be discipled by the Spirit of God, and discipled literally by the wisdom of God himself. All right? We will fail in our endeavors to be strong Christians without the wisdom of God working in our lives. So, knowledge is the acquiring of facts. I'm going to stop right there. Understanding is the ability to interpret those facts. Stop right there. And wisdom is the ability to apply those facts to our lives. Now, notice that one of them requires acquisition, one requires interpretation, and one requires application. The first one, we are totally and solely responsible for. You can't fold the book up, set it under your pillow, go to sleep on the pillow, and expect to absorb a word of it through osmosis. Not happening. You got to feed on it. You got to read it. You got to dwell in it. Let, let that knowledge rise up on the inside of you and give things for the Holy Spirit to come in to touch your understanding over, amen, and for God to come in and help you apply it to your life, right? Now, listen to me. There's something else I want to say about understanding, and maybe this is, you know, off the beaten path or whatever, but see if this makes sense to you. This is about understanding. 
The only other explanation for understanding that I can give you is that in its most common use, understanding for you and me is anointed common sense. Does that, does that ring with you? Anointed common sense. Listen to me. Another of the greatest challenges in the church today is the people of God are trying to live their lives based on information being forwarded to them by people with no common sense. No anointed common sense. And they are eating it by the bowl full. With this in mind, I want to look at five things specifically that wisdom gives us. You don't have to look anywhere anywhere further than the public education system in this country. They have lost their minds. The, what they're, you know, when you have a school where the principal announces there's two first graders roaming the hall, do not confront them, do not touch them, do not try to do anything with them, just let them, let them alone. That's when you know the patients are running the asylum. You understand what I'm saying? My children, the oldest two, Leah and Aaron, dining with me in a restaurant. You know, they're grown-ups. And there was a little three-year-old terrorizing the restaurant, just terrorizing it. You ever seen a child just run wild in a restaurant, make life miserable for people, you know? My daughter leaned over to my son, and she said, how long do you think Dad would have let us get away with that? And Aaron said, about 30 seconds, <laughs> you know. And that had been about the time that it got me to rise from the chair and locate them and lay hands on them, right? <laughs> and they got educated. I, I would educate my children, you don't act this way. You don't act this way. You're, why? Because you are my child, right? And you don't act like that. And my children had no problem understanding that, Right? Now, now, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, because we're getting real basic here. This is foundation stuff. Foundation stuff, right? Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness or pleasure, and all of her paths are peace. So listen, listen carefully. So what we know from this passage of Scripture, can you believe the Word of God? Yes, you can. So what we know from this passage of Scripture is that wisdom provides a long life, riches and honor, pleasantness and peace, or pleasure and peace, right? I say it in three parts. It's five things. I say it in three parts. It helps me remember it. So wisdom provides a long life, riches and honor, pleasure and peace. You follow that with me? Can you believe the Word of God? So being real basic, in other words, godly wisdom will provide all the things we need for the totality of our lives. Godly wisdom will provide everything we'll ever need for the totality of our lives. That's why I had you hug the book earlier. Thank God for the fact that everything, listen to me now, everything that's in this book that you will get down on the inside of you and allow God to make the living word in your life, What's in this book is enough to cause you to live forever. Think about that with me. Just the stuff in this book alone is powerful enough for you to live on it 
forever. Never, never die. Never go away. Never cease to exist. The book, you can live on it forever. So when I read a passage of Scripture like this, and I see that wisdom, you know, long life is in the right hand. And by the way, I love some of the other translations. They say long good life. Say, well, why does that matter? Long, no. How many of you know that there's people who have lived a long life that wasn't so good? <laughs> it wasn't so hot, you know, that they knew nothing but trouble or pain or sickness or poverty for a long time, right? But no, in wisdom, it's long good life in, in, in one hand. All right? Now, we're, we're going to talk about these things, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to be referring back to some of the words in it as we move forward, all right? Now, we, we need to look at something here. Uh, let, let me just read some of these notes to you. Um, you know that I've heard more than one preacher in my lifetime say that the world provides no pleasure. You know what that shows me? They don't know the book. Because the Bible will tell you the world, sin has pleasure. And, and for how long does it have pleasure? Somebody tell me. For a season, right? But when the season's up, the pleasure's over, right? Right? When the season's up, the pleasure's over, right? But I'll tell you right now, hey, I'm, I haven't been a Christian all my life. Have you? I mean, I wasn't born a Christian. Amen? I wasn't born a Christian, so let me tell you what I know, right? Um, for a while, adultery provides pleasure. Thank God the Lord gave me at an early age a wonderful wife, and I've been with her for 44 years, and I owe my relationship with her to God. I love her, and she loves me. There's been nobody else. You need to know that about your pastor, all right? That, that, but what I'm saying is there will be people out there that will tell you that adultery provides pleasure for a season. Amen? There are people out there that will tell you that drugs and alcohol provides pleasure for a season. Am I right or wrong? All right. The Bible says that sin provides pleasure for a season. When the season's up, the pleasure's over. Let me tell you about my stint in life with alcohol, for example. Yeah, have you ever noticed how, you know, God's not giving us a, a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and, and I love the King James Version, a sound mind. He gives us sanity. Amen. I'm telling you that all sin and service to the world is insanity. It's so bad that when we get saved, God's got to give us a normal mind. He's got to give us a sane mind. I can remember like it was yesterday when I was a kid. I drove drunk so many times that one of the police departments that interviewed me wanted to know, well, have you ever drove drunk? And I went inside, I went, uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Better said, uh-oh, in the middle of an interview, right? Um, is polygraph. So what am I going to say? I'm not going to even think about lying, right? I'm not going there. You, you lie, it's over, right? All you can do is tell the truth and hope for the best, right? I said, well, I, yeah, I've driven drunk. Next question was, how many times have you driven drunk? I don't know. You know, I don't know how many times I've driven drunk. Don't know. And, uh, they wanted me to, to guess. I said, well, I don't know. Tough. How many of you know sometimes guessing just ain't going to cut the mustard, right? Listen to me carefully. 
Is, and, and they said, how old were you? I said, well, maybe 14, 15, maybe 16. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? And I'm the only one, right? I'm the only one, right? I've lost count of how many times where I found solace in a bathroom floor hugging onto a piece of cool white porcelain, right? Now listen to me. When the only comfort you got in the world is a piece of white cool porcelain, that's insanity. I know it's insanity because I've been there, right? And I don't never want to go back there. I'm being hard on me here. It's me now, right? You know? And look at somebody next to you and say he's talking about him. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about him. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not the only one, though, right? I'm not the only one. All right. So, so hugging on to a piece of white porcelain, cool white porcelain, looking for relief, that's insanity, right? But been there, done that, not proud of it. Lost count. Sorry. Don't know. I like my life better now. Listen to this. The Bible tells me, listen to me carefully now, the Bible tells me that the holy form of pleasure provided by God lasts forever. And it don't involve white porcelain. All right? You know, this is a problem that some people face when challenged about whether to allow Jesus Christ to become the Lord and Savior of their life. Listen to me carefully. They're afraid that they're not going to get to do what they want to do anymore. I disagree. I believe that when you truly give your heart and life to Christ, you can do anything you want to. Only your want to's are going to change. They're going to change drastically. I know that I get to do everything I want to do. I get to preach. I get to go to church. I get to do everything I want to do. Some would say, yeah, but when you get saved, everything becomes boring and tedious. I say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm busier than a one-armed paper hanger in a high wind right now. I'm busier... I'm busier having more fun at this point in my life than ever before. If people want to watch or they want to know what to do, then just follow us and you'll see. Amen? Christians aren't duds. This is an adventure in faith. We're having to pick and choose and prioritize what to do because there's so much to do. If you want to get high, get high on the Holy Spirit because there's no hangover. There's no white toilet bowls needed, and it's free. That's right. I'm glad you know, sister. <laughs> Isn't that good? You know, I love to hear the voice of a person set free. Amen? And we need to be free. If you want to get high, get high on the Holy Spirit. That will fix what ails you. When you come down, you got no hangover. Listen again. The world has pleasure but nothing to compare with the pleasure of the kingdom of God. So, I want you to say this with me. I, I, I want you to repeat after me. Godly wisdom provides long life, riches and honor, pleasure and peace. Or better yet, you don't have to repeat this, but like I said earlier, wisdom provides for your total needs, for your total life. You know, the world doesn't like this kind of preaching. 
They, they reject it out of hand. The, the, the people of the world don't want to know that their lives can be different. They think they're doing everything they want to do, and they're happy, and they're excited about that, and nothing compares to what the child of God can do. Amen? All right, we're going we're gonna to keep working here with the foundation. So I need you to turn to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. How hard is that? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. That's not too hard, is it? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. I just turned the page. Come on, people. Work with me here. <laughs> work with me. <laughs> okay? You with me? All right, watch this. Psalm chapter 1, verse 7. I mean, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Well, I'm about to refer to Psalm after this, so I'm, my head's moving forward. But you'll help me out. Thank you. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Say that with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But, however, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Say that with me. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, look, I'm about to tap onto something here that I, I would imagine that some people are getting tired of me going there. But that's okay. You just get as tired and fed up as you want to. God's talking to me about this, so I'm going to talk to you about it. Why is God talking to me about it and wanting me to talk to you about it? Listen to me carefully. Somebody asked me a long time ago. I, I knew Jimmy Swaggart. I knew Jimmy Swaggart. How many remember Jimmy Swaggart? Okay. I was on the platform with Jimmy Swaggart. Um, spoke with him many times. Um, was a guest of his. I mean, I knew the man. Okay. And so when he got caught buried in sin, right, when I first heard it, I was like many other people. I was incredulous. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, right? Turned out to be true. Okay, now, that was a lot of years ago. I don't mention that to be condemning about Jimmy Swagger. Matter of fact, heard him preach the other day, dynamic sermon, dynamic sermon, because only God can restore man, right? And I trust God, right? I trust his anointing, right? If he was not anointed to preach, I wouldn't listen to him, okay? But here's my point. Listen to this carefully. A friend of mine called me in tears and said, why do you believe God let Jimmy Swagger get caught? I said, the answer is simple. God wants Jimmy Swagger to go to heaven. God wants Jimmy Swagger to go to heaven. So you keep that in mind when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, all right? Because God's talking to me about it, and I'm talking to you about it because God wants me, and he wants you to come on and be with him in heaven. And he doesn't want anything to stand in the way. Now, where were we? Listen to this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, watch this with me. You're very familiar with this passage of Scripture. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Did I say Psalms again? Uh, what? I'm sorry, what? Oh, good, good, good. Okay. All right. But in Psalm, you got to copy this with me. Follow this with me. In Psalm chapter 14, in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, and in Psalm chapter 53, verse 1, you can... Uh, you can look at either verse of Scripture, and the, the phrase in the set is the same. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. 
That's what a fool says in his heart, right? Psalm 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1. Yeah, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now watch this with me. We're going slow, right? We don't want to leave anything behind. So notice this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I started writing notes. Now listen to this. Notice this. According to this passage, a man does not have to stand out on a street corner, shake his fist, and shout, there is no God, to be a foolish atheist. All he has to do, all he has to do is be a heart issue. That's all. That's all. To be a foolish atheist, all you have to suffer from is a heart issue, right? You don't have to stand out on the street corner and scream and holler, there is no God to be a foolish atheist. So what did the Holy Spirit begin, and what is he trying to get across to us? Listen carefully. I submit to you that this foolish person can go to church, claim to be a Christian, but live their lives like there is no God and still be a fool. This is why Jesus said, call no man a fool because... It means that we're judging what's in each other's hearts, and only God can do that. So he, he advised against us being judgmental that way of, of others and said, some wise, don't do it, right? But if the Bible calls you a fool, baby, you're a fool. You see what I'm saying? We cannot live our lives like they do and expect it not to have an effect on our lives. There is a heart's cry that's rising up with me as a pastor for me, my family, and this church, and the church in America. I wish every pew-warming person in this country could hear this message. There is so much that has crept into the church that's socially acceptable in the world that in many places you can't tell the difference between the so-called church and the sin in the world. If I don't stand up, if the pastors of this land don't stand up and cry out to the people to forsake the things of this world and embrace the wisdom of God, because in the wisdom of God, it's the only way you're going to know deliverance. Why do you think you're caught in the trap you're caught in? Why, if you see yourself in that shape today, and you're blinded up to this point about the dangers of it, can't we, why can't we see that we need the wisdom of God to set us free from it? It's the only thing that makes a difference in our lives. Now, see, look, you're here with me today. I love you, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people listening to my podcast maybe or, or somewhere else. You know what? It doesn't mean that people in this room can't be suffering from those same things, though. You see what I'm saying? Atheism isn't getting on TV and saying there is no God. Atheism in its practical as aspect is simply living as if there is no God. It's more, is it more practical, or it is more practical for people in the church today to live in stubbornness than it is to take God at his word and stop living lives that look eerily like those lives of the unsaved. This is because many sins proclaimed so in the word of God have become socially acceptable even in the church. I say in the old King James Version way, this ought not to be so. This ought not be so. It's got to change. It has 
to change. And, and it's part of this revival for the church in America. The, the church in America is bad enough off that it needs to be resurrected. That's, that's how far I'll go. I'll go that far. You know, I wrote in here, okay, I've meddled enough for now. And that's an important word, for now. I've meddled enough for now. So the Bible teaches us that there are two kinds of wisdom. Go in your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. I hear pages turning. That is a thing of beauty. Can you say amen? James chapter 3. Look at verse 13. James chapter 3. Verse 13. Now, now let's, let's dwell here for a little bit. This is going to be fun. James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. That's a good line, right? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Listen now carefully. Think about a place in this country where these words scream, all right? But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, wow, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Where in America is that most prevalent? Where? In the Senate. Well, Washington, D.C. I don't even know why you'd want to live there unless you're suffering from these problems. I think only unwise people live in Washington, D.C. I'll just tell you that right now. I mean, look, I can't even bear to watch the news anymore. I don't know. They've lost their minds in Washington, D.C. They have. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's not Washington. That's not Washington, D.C. Now, does anybody have a translation of the Bible that, that I think is very important? We need, there's some words we need that we ain't seeing here, not in the English Standard Version. I'm disappointed. In this passage of Scripture, in the English Standard Version, I'm just being honest with you, all right? Because look at this. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's pretty powerful, right? For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. I think the King James Version uses the word death. Evil. That's the word I'm looking for here. Listen, listen to me. What I'm going to prove to you in the word. Listen to me carefully. That's very important. Thank you for saying that word because I was getting there. I was just taking too long. There's two kinds of wisdom in this world. Godly wisdom and then there's the world's wisdom. I do not care how you dress this one up. I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care what excuses you make for it. 
or how you defend, how you came to the opinion you've got, if it was based in worldly wisdom, it's evil. I don't care what you think about it, how you dress it up, how smart you think you are. Everything birthed out of worldly wisdom is evil. It's evil. Its origin's in evil, and it produces evil, right? So, earthly wisdom produces death. Earthly world, worldly wisdom produces death. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God why that's so very, very important. So, what do we say today? We say we're doing foundation checking, right? Let's go all the way back to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. We're doing good here, aren't we? Everybody okay? No one's dying of thirst. The bathroom's that away. All right? All right, Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to tell you what. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. Genesis chapter 3. Listen carefully. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna examine this thing about godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. And what gets produced by both of them. All right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. What better place to go than near the beginning? Amen? How about the beginning of sin in the world? That ought to teach us something. Amen? All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Wow. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, you, your eyes will be opened, and you, shall, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So listen to this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They made clothes. Can you say Amen. All right. How many of you got a ribbon or something? You, can, you need to lay something in there. Lay something in there because we're going back there. We're going to be bouncing back and forth between this passage of Scripture and others. Go way up into the New Testament to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2. This is good practice, isn't it? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I'm excited. God's going to change lives today. Can you say amen? What does it say? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now listen to this. For some of the things that are in the world, is that what it says? For some of the things that are in the world, is that what it says? You better be paying attention. I'll mess with you, all right? We're going to burn this into your heart today with the help of the Holy Spirit. For all that is in the world, all, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes 
and pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Think about it. The King James Version says, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Are you with me? The King James Version says that's all that's in the world. If you're a military leader and you know exactly what your enemy is going to do, can you defeat him? Do you stand a better chance of defeating him if you know what his game plan is? If you know what his battle plan is, you should be able to find the answer to, to counteract it, right? Those three things are the exact three things that the devil came against Eve with. Do you recognize that? She saw the fruit, that it was good for food. Amen? That it looked pretty. And that it's something that would make her wise. I'm telling you, in the church today, that's one of the most dangerous things in the church today. People that want to be, why don't you recognize me because I'm the spiritual person that I am? It's one of the most dangerous people in the body of Christ. The people that want to be recognized for being the spiritual leader. I am not a prophet. But if all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I was a prophet, I wouldn't say a word. Because if God's children didn't recognize it, it ain't real. It didn't happen. It's only in my heart and mind. If I ever become a prophet, if God ever lays that call on me, someone else is going to have to see it and say it. I'm not. I won't do it. I will not do it. I, and that's not going to change. That's one thing I can tell you right now. It's been burned into my spirit, that truth. Don't declare yourself to be a great spiritual leader. Let God raise you up in the eyes of others. And even when they want to talk about it too much, you tell them not to. Is that going to stop you from being spiritual? Is it going to stop the Holy Spirit from speaking to you? No, it's only going to increase the Spirit's confidence in your character. And God will raise you up. It's dangerous to try to raise yourself up. That's worldly wisdom. It is not godly wisdom. So we're foundation building today, right? We're foundation building. God's going to change our lives through the Word, right? There are those of you that God wants to raise up, and He will. Just let Him. Just let Him. Just let God be God. Let God's wisdom rise up on the inside of you and use you and never forget the pit you were dug from. Never forget it. God help us all. Amen? All right, watch this with me. How, how, so Brother Dennis, are you sure? Are you right? Was that verse of Scripture really written about Eve? No, it wasn't written about Eve. It was written about all of us. <laughs> yes, it involves Eve, but it involves all of us. Now, how thorough is God? God's pretty thorough, isn't he? Go with me to Luke chapter 4, and we'll see just how thorough he is. Luke chapter 4. How many of you know that if Jesus was truly going to come and set mankind free, he had to get on the same playing field with the same rules that Eve stepped onto the playing field with and Adam did, and the devil was going to have to be defeated by Christ on that playing field with those rules, right? Or it wouldn't be any good to us. Jesus is going to have to come in and face the devil with the same kind of attack and then whoop him at it, beat him at it, right? 
But Jesus is, is greater than that. He's even greater than that. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. Full of the Holy Spirit. One more time. Full of the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell me? It tells me that he didn't just do it in his own self. He did it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Do you have access to the Holy Spirit of God? All right, then. So what are you being set up for? You're being set up for victory, not defeat. Watch with me. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, uh, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. How different is that than Eve? Jesus purposefully walked into the fight with one hand tied behind his back. You, you understand what I'm saying? Jesus did it with weakness built in, you know? But he was full of the Holy Spirit, right? So, what are, what are we saying? Okay, uh, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus says he's hungry. He's hungry. He's not a liar. He's not a socialist either, is he? <laughs> we, we learned that a week or so ago. Jesus is not a socialist, right? Yeah, but he's not a liar either, right? So, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. What, what did he just say? I know you're hungry. You know, and if you're the Son of God, you can take this stone and turn it into bread. You can eat it. You can feed your flesh right here in front of me. And what did Jesus say? Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. This is why man and ain't eaten 40 days. Right? So, lust of the flesh. He appealed to Jesus, lust of the flesh. Jesus whooped it with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Same two tools we've been given, right? And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me by who? Adam and Eve, right? It's been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours, and Jesus answered him. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Let's keep going. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, and lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, listen to me, that is very life and death important. He didn't say some temptations. I, I, that's proof right there that what I told you was true. Every temptation. Those are the root basis for all the ways that the devil's allowed to come against you and God provided you a way out. Listen to me carefully. Jesus beat him. The devil came along, appealed to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And Jesus beat it back every time with the word of God, even while fasting for 40 days. And Jesus turned every opportunity we have to sin into an opportunity for victory in our lives. Jesus did that. He turned every opportunity we have in our life when we're tempted, every opportunity we have to sin, and he turned it 
He turned it on the devil and turned it into, for the children of God, an opportunity for victory. Every temptation. That's how powerful Jesus was. It is. Thank you. And is. Right? Hey, this is, and this is just the basics. This is just the basics, right? We are without excuse. We're without excuse. We can't explain away all this stuff in our lives. L- listen to this now. This passage of Scripture begs the question. Listen to me. This passage of Scripture begs the question to which we most likely will never have an answer, at least not in this lifetime. Now I'm referring back to Genesis, all right? Chapter 3, verse 6. Listen to me carefully. It's a viable question. Don't dismiss it. What would have happened if Adam had run straight to God and asked him what to do about what Eve had just done? What if he had fled the scene to the wisdom of God and asked God, Father, what can we do? Eve has done this. What can we do? Now, you can argue all day long that God knew he wasn't going to do that, and he didn't do it, but it still begs the question. Don't tell me he couldn't have done it, because if he couldn't have done it, then we can't do it, and we can do it. For every we face in life we can run to God and ask him for godly wisdom if we only would if we only will it's a commitment that we have to make if the church is to be resurrected now listen to me things just begin to roll over in your heart and mind and you begin to see some things listen to this Not only did Adam fail to seek godly wisdom about what had gone wrong, but he attempted to hide from God. Listen to me carefully. Maybe, you know, you know, there are plenty. I mean, there are a lot more people out there than I I really like to admit. But there are a whole lot of people out there that claim to be Christians that don't pray. They don't reach out to God. They don't talk to him. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't talk to him. I talk to him more than I talk to my own wife. I believe that. I could be wrong, but I don't believe I am, and I certainly wouldn't stand here in danger of lying to you about it. You can count on that. Listen to me, though. Because of what happened, I wrote this, I can only conclude that all prayerlessness in its common form is a form of hiding. All prayerlessness in its common form is is a form of hiding. Many millions and maybe even billions of people in this world, maybe. I don't know how many. I'm not a mathematician. They're literally hiding. They think they're hiding from God. And when God came into the garden and Adam and Eve was hiding, do you think when he said, Adam, where are you, that he didn't know where Adam was? Who needed to answer that question? Adam did. Adam needed to answer the question about where he was because God knew exactly where he was. Now, 
Five more minutes? Can you give me five more minutes? Five more minutes. That's what I'm asking for. And if I go over, please don't be mad at me. All right, listen. All right, this is, this is so important. You got to remember that Eve was deceived that Adam made a choice to sin. From that day forward, sin has always been a choice, and that hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Please do not tell me that as a child of God, you sin for the sole reason that you can't help yourself because I will have to tell you the same thing God told me. That's a lie. It's a lie. The devil wants you to believe you, you can't help yourself, but God said you can come to me. And, and there's only a handful of reasons why we don't go to him and ask him for it. We're either hiding or we don't believe he'll answer us if we talk to him about it, or we don't really want to give it up. Now, I wrote this note again. I do not talk to you about these things because I want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. I want you to change. That's what God told me. It's not about feeling bad. It's about change. It's just about repentance. Amen? Listen carefully. Our lives are made up by the things we think, and the choices we make, and the words coming out of our mouth. That, that is how you build your life, by the things you think, the choices you make, and the words coming out of your mouth. Simple logic, anointed common sense dictates that if you want to change your life, change the way you think, change the choices you make, amen, and change the words coming out of your mouth. Is that complicated? That's foundation building. Can you say amen? If you want to change your life, change the way you think and the words you speak. If you think and say that you can't do that, then I regret to inform you that you are most likely correct. If you think you can't do it, you probably can't, and you most likely won't. This is hard, isn't it? I mean, this is hard things to hear. But, but the thing that I'm excited about is you're, no one has died in this service today. Everybody, I look around the room, maybe a few heads are weaving and bobbing a little, but you're alive. You're breathing, right? So there's still time to get it right. Amen? Watch this with me. This is the economy of God, or better known as godly wisdom. How smart is God? Go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The big problem here in this verse is just flat-out old-fashioned humanism. Now, I'm going to try my best with God's help to explain this to you. In the humanist platform, man is basically good and can be made better through education. You ever heard that? The Bible says that man is basically sinful and needs to be transformed to become righteous in the sight of God because only in God's righteousness can man have good. All right, you, you agree with that. Sin in our old natures, sin in our old natures means we are not good. Sin in our old nature means we are not good. We are sinners. In our new nature, we are good only because of the righteousness of Christ in our lives. We're good because we're righteous in Christ. Does that make sense? So listen carefully. God help me. When Eve saw the tree was good for food, 
it was seen by Eve as human good or natural good or through the eyes of human wisdom, not divine wisdom, right? So when she partook of it, what she thought was good was a denial of God's right of possession. Think about this with me. It was a denial of God's right of possession and disobedience to his commandments and turned out to be the death of her and was not good for her and was brought by evil. Evil. And all she did was look at a pretty piece of fruit and thought that it might be good in her own wisdom, but it was evil. Do you see how simple it is to fall into the trap. And all the devil's got to do is cause one little glimpse of doubt about God's character. That's all it takes for human wisdom to step into the place of godly and divine wisdom. That's foundation building. Can you say amen? When she partook of it, what she thought was good was a denial of God's right of possession. I already read that. The problem lies in the fact that we quote, and this is closing, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, just hear it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. One of the things that religion does is it attempts to allow the sinner to patch up his sinful life. Dangerous. The Bible tells us you can't put a patch on an old wineskin. You have to have new wineskins. This is why you cannot patch up your sinful nature with moral kinds of conduct and respectability and other religious types of rituals to be able to get to heaven. Can't do it. I got bad news for you. If you consider yourself to be a religious person today, that ain't what's going to get you to heaven. Jesus is the only one that's going to get you to heaven. And what did we say? Everything we said early in this sermon pertains Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. We have to obey him. If we do not obey him, we do not love him. That's why Peter said in the book of Acts, we have to obey God rather than man. Obedience took the place of the word love in the book of John. Obedience replaced it. Why? You can say all day long that you love him, but if you don't obey him, you don't love him quickly listen to this this has got to set some people free today all of us at one time or another have asked god to forgive us for some very bad things have we not oftentimes we have more trouble forgiving ourselves than god does forgiving us we need to stop that i'm gonna tell you why see we're we're, we're pretty we're like sheep we're pretty dumb listen to me because we don't know certain things. And if the foundation doesn't get fixed, we can't go any further. I know it's been a long time. I'm, I'm, cl I'm close. This is it. When you fail to forgive yourself for something that God's already forgiven you for, you set yourself up to be greater than God. And you've got to stop it. You cannot set yourself up to be greater than God and expect to be set free of anything. You can't expect for the foundation to get repaired. You can't, you can't, ex you can't 
let it get built right if you're a new child of God and expect the structure to go up on that foundation. If you can't get the things we're talking about here today fixed, and you can, if God loved you enough to forgive you when you cried out to him, then you have to love yourself enough to forgive yourself because you are not greater than him. You are not smarter than him. And you have got to stop being the one that's putting the barriers in your life to the wisdom of God being manifest or you're never going to be set free. You will never be set free and I can't bear to watch that. Please forgive me. I think that's enough for today. Amen? Have we learned anything? Look at me carefully. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Just listen to God. That's all. Feed on his word. Let, let, let knowledge of the word of God, you know, fill you up. And then invite the Holy Spirit to take that, touch your understanding. Amen. And then constantly talk to God about it and let his wisdom. Because what are we going to learn? We're going to take a few weeks to look at major events in the Word of God, and you're going to find out that all of the miracles that happened and all of the good things that happened happened because godly wisdom was sought after. Amen? A plan was given by God, and when God's children obeyed the plan, victory was manifest in their lives, and God got the glory. I do not like to teach formulas. I don't like formulas. But this isn't a formula. This is just Bible. We need the wisdom of God to be manifest in our lives so that we hear the plan. We know the plan. Otherwise, I'm going to keep having to pray for people for the same exact thing over and over and over again. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like it. Because I'm watching the devil get away with things in your life he ought not be able to get away with. All right? Okay, I kept you longer than I should. I want you to stand with me because all of this isn't going to get fixed in one service and one sermon. Amen? Now, here's my thing, and I'm going to pray for you. My prayer is that you will go and watch this sermon over and over and over again. Feed on it. Let it get down on the inside of you. Let's, give some, let's put some food and stuff in the kitchen that the Holy Spirit can come in and bake something with. All right? Let's go do that. Look. I, I, I will tell you, this, this is not a threat or anything. I'm just trying to tell you, I can do other things in life. I don't have to come do this. But I love you. I love God. I love you. And, man, this is more fun than I've ever had in my life, right? But I'm going to tell you what, pastors' hearts, they get hurt. I'm not up here for my health. I'm up here for your health and my health. Really, I am. Really, I am. I know that. Because I'm not going to stand here and tell you I preach from I'm six feet two. You know, I'm so tall I could hunt geese with a rake. No, I'm not. I'm a short little guy. I'm telling you, I'm teaching you what God is teaching me. I'm facing the same challenges you're facing, only I won't change. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for your spirit. Thank you that it was here today. I thank you, Father. I, I know that you touched me and you helped me. I, I know that. I I sense that, and, and I'm so grateful. Father, I'm grateful for every person in this room and everyone that will be listening to this podcast, listening to this message. We need revival in this land, Father. The church has been asleep at the wheel. 
we have been apathetic for so long that things have gripped our lives that when we finally see the truth in the word, we can't believe we've been that blind. But, Father, your truth gives sight and revelation and understanding and helps us to apply, Father, your word to our lives. Forgive us, Father, for all the times we turn to deaf ear to what your Spirit's been trying to say and do in our lives. We thank you that grace is continuing to work. We, we can rely upon you, Father, and we can ask you to cleanse us afresh and anew. But, Father, we're learning the hard way that we're not to trample the power of grace under our feet. On and on and on and on. We're not to do it. We're supposed to let grace have its full work and its power manifest in our lives to keep us from sin, not just forgive us all the time, but keep us from it. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name to get stubborn spiritually. Lockjaw the brain spiritually. Lockjaw. Just put the brakes on and stop the things of the world in our lives because your godly wisdom is there and available to help us to apply the word of God to our lives and to make real change. Real change, Father. Now, Father, as we depart from this place today, I want to thank you for the seed that's planted in that soil that's been prepared by your spirit. May we be faithful to watch over it with the power of prayer to water it, Father. And we thank you even now for a mighty harvest coming forth in our lives. Help us to spread the truth of this good news, Father, throughout the body of Christ. For it's in his name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you and fellowship together before you leave here today.